Bay. Hi, Megan. Welcome to Bad Movies Rock. Why, thank you, Megan. Megan, welcome to Bad Movies Rock, where we made good on the name that is so clever that we have. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed we do. We watched a rock movie today, Amber. Well, not today. You know what I mean. We're, we're talking, talking about, about a rock movie tonight. That That's true. So kind of both things you said were wrong. We did not watch it today, and no. we are also yep. not talking about it during the day. So yeah, yeah, no, actually, you are wrong. Okay, great. Well, I'm glad I could be of service. Again, you were wrong, so you kind of were the opposite of, of mm. service. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You you sort of either lied or or said nothing of use at the at the very least. At the very least, I was I did nothing. At at the worst, I lied and or spoke mis- mistruths. Yeah, mm-hmm. I see. So, I mean, if, if that's of service, then you're as good as the majority of politicians, I'd say. Good point. Congratulations. You're ready for office. <laughs> oh, boy. That sickens me to my stomach, Amber. So, Amber, yeah, we watched uh, Central Intelligence. Both because it's a bad movie and because mm-hmm. The Rock is in it. So, you're welcome. Yay. Both things are true this time. Um, yeah, this is a 2016 uh, movie with... Uh, DJ and Kevin Hart. <laughs> I don't know what? why I find it amusing that you mentioned it's a 2016 movie. I don't, I don't know. I've been doing when, that lately. I've been, you, I've been adding the have years. Have we actually talked about the dates of movies? Like, I, I know we did it for Ghostbusters yep, specifically yep. because we had to differentiate it from the original Ghostbusters. And we did it for The Mummy because we had to differentiate it from the original Mummies. And, and both of those are mm-hmm. in the actual title of the actual movie. Their, their list is Mummy yes, 2017 that's... and Ghostbusters 2016 for those specific right. reasons. So you doing it for this movie just seemed, I don't know, weird. Are hey, you Amber, differentiating this... it from, you know, yes. the central <laughs> intelligence from the 90s? Yeah, and, and then the old black and white one that was, uh, you know, in the 50s. It was real racist, though. So, um, yeah, we don't talk about that one that much. Now you're just full of more lies. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, most movies from the 50s are pretty racist. I wouldn't know. I I don't watch a lot of movies from the 50s. Mm, I'm going to be honest about that. I'm going to be upfront about that. I don't watch old movies. Yeah, I can't Generally speaking. Yeah. Largely because I find them to be racist. Yeah. Yeah. um, One of the guys in the Flophouse... sometimes recommends old movies and it's always with the caveat like okay so it's super sexist but okay there's this super racist part but and i'm like "Mm, i don't think i want to watch that i think i'm good yeah you know i feel like i can get enough entertainment and high art from you know less racist forms i don't i don't actually need to mine america's past to really get my my rocks off movie wise so, fuck movies from the 50s. So, uh, this is from yes. 2016, as this Megan has told us. As I have told you. Um, so, yeah, um, Amber, I want to read you um, a uh, blurb from RogerEbert.com um, talking about this movie. Um, this is how the, the, the article starts out thusly. There's a kitchen fight in Central Intelligence, pitting a man with a butcher f- knife against a man with a banana. The man with the banana wins. I love scenes like this where the movie seems to be saying, this is the kind of movie I am, the kind where you can kill a man with a banana. Enjoy. 
And you do. That man wasn't dead. He didn't kill him with a banana. Yeah. Now he's a liar. Apparently you could be a movie critic. God damn. <laughs> Can we trust no one in this Apparently. day and age? Yeah. Good point. That's what this movie is. Except, you know, yeah. It was more of a fight than a murder. That They keep a lot of murder out of this movie because it's, you know, it's supposed to be... Is it PG-13? Probably. I don't know. Probably. But it's it's it not is. R. It's I don't feel like it's not raunchy enough for R. Yeah, shit, certainly not. Yeah. Did you want me to tell you more about this movie, Amber? I mean, not really. I don't particularly need you to since I did watch it. Um, okay. So it's entirely up to you how you want to do your job. If like, I mean, I guess if you want to do your job. Mm, is that is that I where see. we're at? Are you just kind of well, going to rely that... on other people's words? Specifically, in this instance, you're going to rely on the words of the people that our podcast was created to refute. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, fine. I guess I will... Uh, um, I mean, hey, no, no pressure. No pressure. I, I mm-hmm, just, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to mine the depths of you. I'm trying to get to know you a little bit better. Great. I'm terrified. Do you want to say more about this movie? I do. Uh, yeah. I'll Outside of you. banana slaughter? I mean, <laughs> I kind of want to leave it at banana slaughter, but... Um, yeah, so this movie is about uh, DJ and his uh, dear friend from high school, Kevin Hart. Um, and essentially, um, we're, we start... We start back in high school, and we learn that DJ is uh, is a bullied kid, and Kevin Hart is like the most popular kid in high school, and Kevin Hart shows DJ some kindness, and then many years later, the 20th anniversary, uh, 20th, right? Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, high school um, anniversary reunion is coming up, and... Um, DJ is back in Kevin Hart's life and he he appears first as this kind of just he's he's like a he's a dweeby kid grown into the rock's body. It's it's a pretty it's very strange to watch uh the rock do this role, I think, cuz he's very much embodying kind of a very awkward child who has grown up. Is psychologically speaking, it is as if you froze, you know, essentially the high school whipping boy mm-hmm. intellectually and emotionally, and then put him directly into the rock's body. So he's grown up in the sense that he's literally grown into a man mountain, but his insides, mm-hmm. not so much. Right. Right. Um, so the rock is back in Kevin Hart's life, and it... <laughs> It's partly for the job, but it's also mostly because The Rock, I think, is just obsessed with Kevin Hart. Like, and he has been for 20 years. He's kept his, like, letter jacket for 20 years. Apparently he tells stories about Kevin Hart to his coworkers. Um, and we learn that The Rock um, is not just an awkward um, man, kid man. He's, uh, he's a CIA agent who has actually been... Um, chased because they think he is a uh, a double agent, and he needs to use Kevin Hart's uh, forensic accounting skills to to find the real bad guy. Yeah, they 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 think he's actually like an arms dealer called the Black Badger. Yes. Mm-hmm. Amber, uh, what did Metacritic have to say about this? The critics' aggregate is at fifty two. The users are at sixty five. Rotten Tomatoes was seventy one for critics and sixty one for audience. That's just too high. 
It, it yes, it is too high. <laughs> it's just too yes, high. <laughs> I will give you that. Um, <laughs> I love high. I love a rock movie. I really do. Uh, that's too high. I mean, yeah, the, the crux of this movie, like what is essentially you you have to love Kevin Hart and his comedic stylings, and you have to be thoroughly charmed and entertained by the you know transplant of awkward dweeb into Dwayne Johnson body. And I mean, those those are like the two main selling points. Kevin Hart's comedy has never really done much for me. I I don't find him particularly funny. He just doesn't, he doesn't get me as a comedy yeah. viewer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not everybody's for everybody. Kevin Hart's never been for me. I don't dislike him, but I'm not like, ha ha, he did that thing that he does. It's more, oh, right. he did that thing that he does. That's nice. Whereas, you know, Dwayne Johnson being charming and adorable and wearing a tiny t-shirt with a unicorn on it and saying, I love corns. Yes. Gotta love those corns. You get a smile out of me for that shit. Yeah, absolutely. But the movie itself is... Not a great script, not a great plot, and the action is subpar, especially for a movie with Dwayne Johnson in it. Yeah, yeah. That's The, the action scenes is where it falls down, which is kind of ridiculous for a rock movie. Right? Yeah. Focus so hard on the comedy, which, fine, if it had actually been better. Right. Yeah. But hey, mm-hmm. you know, they they leave room for discussions about bullying and for, you know, high school trauma. Uh, there are some good moments and some good scenes there. I don't think they drop the ball too badly with a lot of those conversations necessarily. Although they do have one of the biggest like educational failures I think I've ever seen televised. And I've watched some pretty dark shit set in high schools. Yeah. And obviously you have a cast that's just teeming with people of color. So... Fuck yeah. Yeah. And an uh, uncredited appearance by Melissa McCarthy. Yes. Yeah. That, that was... Double fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a um, review um, from the London Evening Standard that says, uh, summer blockbusters used to be reliably homophobic, but thanks to Johnson, this this one's approach to love and lust seems genuinely new wave. Right. Um, so I think there is... Th- that is one thing it has going for it, where like... there's not any like backhanded homophobic comments well there Um, are but they're called out or disregarded as anachronistic unnecessary ridiculous beneath notice like there there are some good moments where they actually do acknowledge like juvenile and damaging homophobia and dwayne johnson's character specifically tosses them the fuck out yeah literally yeah (laughs) he's he yeah he meets a guy in the bar and tells him you're you're being overly homophobic yeah overly homophobic you're being homophobic we'll, we'll get to it in the in the good scenes yeah yeah yep um so yeah there, there are some good moments that, that i feel like do recommend it for like quality or higher tier entertainment for your typical kind of odd couple high school reunion themed movie there i feel like yes. they fall into a, a lot fewer pitfalls that the, of, of, that, that you'd often i'm saying this super good uh-huh, yeah. i'm just gonna uh, uh, you know when they do yeah you get yeah, it i've been particularly articulate this this episode as well so this is what happens when we record in the in the evening times megan i know i know it so yeah critics uh i i'm not mad at 52 i feel like 50 to 60 maybe 65 for just how charming dwayne johnson is and for the better than usual treatment of kind of body image homophobia bullying that sort of thing which is honestly something, you know. It's not a, nothing. Agreed. Yeah. For for a big blockbuster movie, it's, yeah. 
that that's important. But I, I, I do not disagree with kind of the blurbs that, that Metacritic had up of, you know, it's forgettable. It's not bad. You know, there's some funny moments. The actors are clearly trying very hard uh, and it's somewhat successful, but it's not kind of making me think, ooh, I'm gonna watch this five more times. Yeah, uh, I mean, the only thing I will say is that there's not much for um, women in this movie. There's like the CIA agent who is chasing the rock, um, but I think. And then Kevin Hart's. Uh, and, and Kevin Hart's wife, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's kind of minor roles. Amy Ryan is, is the kind of lead lead agent chasing him. And then Danielle Nicolette is Kevin Hart's wife. And then, um, yeah, that's pretty much the majority of it. And then the women who are constantly hitting on, on Dwayne Johnson because any woman who sees that apparently just wants to fuck it. They don't really care about any other details about that human being. They just see it and they want to scale it and fuck it. Yep. I mean, that pretty much, yeah. Climb that, that sexy brown Everest. I, isn't that something that DJ literally said in uh, Hobbs and Shaw? Quite possibly, yes, yeah. Megan. None of the uh, good things I say are original. They're usually things that I just osmose from the world around <laughs> me and just can't credit them because I don't have the memory to do it. Yeah, it's uh, when he's talking in the plane to Jason Statham about uh, Jason Statham's sister. Anyway, yep. Not exactly that, but there was something about climbing aboard. Anyway, anyway. I mean, he's a very large man. Yes, so. it's, it's a good, it's a good visual. So, bye, critics. You did okay. Yeah, fine. I'm fine with what you did. Yeah. The job you did is fine. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not going to get mad you, at you, it. Yeah, I feel like they pointed out the things that were actually, um, you know, subpar and uh, even highlighted some of the things that are important. So, there you go. Yeah. All right. So it's 60. 62. Okay. Yes, 62. So, Amber, you were talking about one of the worst just fall down uh, educational bullying terrible scenarios that you've seen in a movie. What's the, right here in this movie? The beginning of this movie is a roller coaster ride for me. You know? Because it starts with in vogue. Motherfucking. Yes. Yes. Yes to this. I'm already singing along. I'm getting into it. No. Oh, who's that big guy? Who's that big guy dancing in the shower and singing? Look at him go. Oh, this is happy. Oh, no. What are they doing? What is that group of young men doing? Oh, this isn't going to end well. Oh, they're they're going to grab that that young naked boy because he's he's fat and goofy. Cool, cool. When has has this going to? Oh, oh, there's there's a young Kevin Hart at a at an auditorium filled with all of his his schoolmates. That's nice. They're having a nice little conversation. He's doing a backflip. He's very popular. He's Hooking up with the hottest girl in school. Oh, that's, I don't understand how these two scenes connect. Oh, oh no. Oh, there's young Dwayne Johnson again. Oh, they just threw him naked into that auditorium filled with the entire school. Whoo, that's rough. But somebody's going to, oh, no one's, no one's going to help him. Oh, they're literally every single person in that room, including the educators, are going to laugh at this assault. Cool, cool. This is, um... I don't think I've ever seen this before. Just quite literally every human being except for Kevin Hart and young Danielle Nicolette are laughing uproariously at watching a naked person manhandled into a room filled with people where he clearly had no intention of going. It was hard to watch the teachers laugh. Yeah, the principal, the teachers, the administrators, naked boy is thrown onto the floor 
bodily by five other boys. Just from a it's... humanitarian and educational failures scenario, this might be one of the worst things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, and then they open open the laugh. Yep, the principal's I mean... response is, well, there's no coming back from that. And then he just moves on like it hasn't happened. Like back to Kevin Hart's I'm a football player speech. Right. It's the audience. It's the audience that does it. Like, you know, people do horrible things to, to people. And, you know, it's dozens, if not hundreds of people all laughed uproariously and instantaneously. It's not like a handful of people started laughing and then everybody else is like, oh, I should laugh too. Otherwise, maybe I'll be the next one that this happens to. It was just like flipping a switch. This is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And the, the, the adults doing absolutely nothing. The, the nothing adults helpful. taking part in the laughing. Yes, right, exactly. Ooh, chilling. Yeah. Well, so. not, not necessarily entirely inaccurate. No, not, not, I mean, hopefully a little bit inaccurate, but, but yeah, not. Just trying to think about like my high school experience. Mm -hmm. It was a combination of like active complicity and then just not, choosing not to uh, witness what was happening. For the most part, it was like small corner of complicity and then a much larger corner of, oh, this isn't happening. I don't see this. Yeah, I huh? don't see it. What's going on over there? I don't know. I didn't see it. Found yeah. that in the professional sphere a lot too. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's rampant. Yes, agree. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm used to the cowardice, but just the, like the 98% the complicity is hard to watch. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm, I'm belaboring this point. Let's move on. <laughs> I mean, I guess, it, but it makes sense. It's supposed to be traumatic because it stunted DJ's growth as a human He's, being. He stopped right there. He, he stopped. Did not grow in his brain anymore. And they don't, yes. they don't, they, I mean, they, to a certain extent, they make light of it by having it be part of the joke. Like he's, he stunted his growth and now he's, you know, the, still that adorable squishy dude in a giant man's body who became a very good CIA agent. But the trauma still exists, and they like they they do play on that to a certain extent. Yes. It's it they're kind of walking this line between saying that just not being fat anymore and instead being massive and muscle bound fixed the problem, and saying that there isn't a problem, right? To essentially like to to being stunted, to being that guy, to continuing to be like the goofy guy that loves corns and is just a little bit too into Kevin Hart in a stalkery mm -hmm. way. It shouldn't matter. Like, it's be who you are and love that. But, you know, also don't stalk people and go crazy rogue. And don't suggest to me that trauma can be fixed by, or, or that, like, self-hatred self or, or, you know, poor self-esteem can be fixed by just, like, making yourself skinny. Like, if you can drop those, you know, 20 yeah. pounds, your life will get better. And they, I don't think they do that. They almost do that. They They come close to it, but then they also have... DJ meet up with his uh the the, the main bully, the ringleader, later. old Trevor. Yeah. yeah, and so I think in that confrontation you realize he is not over this. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> in the plot, the very very good plot, very very the very very good plot. plot. Mm -hmm. After this happens, we go to Kevin Hart's life. He's not satisfied. He was supposed to be something, you know, because he. You know how Bullied people who peaked in most, high school are. 
Yeah, he's vo- voted most likely to succeed, Amber. Exactly. You know, married the hottest girl in school, but mm, now he's an accountant and he doesn't really like it and he doesn't feel special and he's kind of sad about it and they don't have kids. And she's a top lawyer in her field and also is pretty sure that if she gets the right dress, all the girls at the 20-year high school reunion are going to be jealous of her body. Yeah, that's cool. Too bad. Then Dwayne Johnson shows up in his life with a new name. He's he's no longer Robbie Weirdick. Mm-hmm. He's Bob Stone. Bob Stone. Bob Stone. Mm-hmm. Massive man with the unicorn shirt and the fanny pack. <laughs> yes. Great scenes happen. We'll backtrack to those. Uh, essentially, yes, he needs Kevin Hart's accounting skills to get information about an auction at which a MacGuffin is being sold that... He claims a bad man called the Black Badger is trying to sell and that the CIA believes he's trying to sell. Yes. Insanity, insanity, insanity. It turns out they need another finance person's help to get more information than Kevin Hart can get off of the financial drive thing. Don't worry about it. All that matters is that they need to go see Trevor, who is like a, an eye banker, a financial investor, whatever, a super bro. Yes. And played by Jason Bateman. Played delightfully by Jason Bateman. I think this yes. might be my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. Oh, it's it hurts, Amber. It's, oh, I mean, from just a comedic standpoint, as well as like addressing the issues of bullying, which are kind of underlying the movie. Fuck, it's so good. They sit down in front of Jason Bateman. Like, ah, he probably hasn't changed. This is going to be a confrontation where he's like, ah, I'm still an asshole. And Dwayne Johnson's like, no, I'm huge now. And then he punches him. And it'll be satisfying, kind of. But no. As soon as Kevin Hart and Dwayne Johnson sits down, Jason Bateman's character launches into this, like, you know what? I found Christianity. And I do therapy now. And I just want to say... How sorry I am, how genuinely sorry I am for the wrong that I did you, because I understand now that bullying is a national problem. It can lead to lifelong trauma. I've prayed on it. You know, I've talked to my therapist about it. And you and Kevin Hart also, I owe you an apology too, because that was a big moment for you, that speech in front of the school. And I ruined that for you too. And, you know, I'm just, I'm so sorry for what, you know, I grew up in a home with a dad who liked to get physical, but that's not an excuse. That's just where I was coming from. And I just, for what happened, actually, no, no, for what I did, I did it. It didn't just happen. (laughs) Yeah, it's really good. And I think at that exact point, I I said to you, Amber, wow, now that's how you apologize. (laughs) That's how you apologize. I was so impressed. I was like... Wow, because because The Rock is like he's there, but he hasn't like spoken a word. He can barely look at Trevor. Like he's clearly still like just frozen. Feels yeah, frozen he's, he's in frozen. that moment. Yep, yeah. Like and, he's been and, standing up to bullies this whole time, being like super action CIA agent, killing people with bananas and kitchenettes, man. And mm-hmm. then suddenly he's just frozen. Yeah, yeah. And 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 at that point, I think The Rock says something like, "I have never been." So happy. And then Jason Bateman pulls off fucking switcheroo. He's like, ah, you should see your faces, you dumb fucks. Oh, it's such a heel turn. Oh, my. The comedic gold of that concept. Because I don't think I have ever imagined a scenario in which somebody would have to so carefully research how everything they are as a person is wrong to come up with a speech that 
just perfectly encapsulates contrition and reform. Yes. Only to use that information to fucking triple down on being the world's biggest bullying asshole. What the to, shit? Yeah. That's amazing. Gut punch them. Yeah. That oh. is so amazing. Like, that's... It would be like... I don't know. You are a rich person who thinks charities are bullshit, so you research, like exactly what you would need to do to feed every person in a community. Mm-hmm. Go tell them about your perfect plan that can be so easily funded by the money that you are just so ready to give because you don't fucking need it. And then just give them the double birds and walk away. Yep, yep. Or maybe like dump a bunch of trash in the middle of their park and then walk away. After Cause... researching like the environmental impacts of littering on the watershed mm-hmm. of that community, like you, you become <laughs> intimately aware of all the real poverty is a real mm-hmm. world problem that has generational impacts. Once the yeah. cycle has started, it can't be stopped without the careful, loving intervention of people with means who care. We can undo this by just redistributing wealth in a. <laughs> I'm sorry, go fuck yourselves. Redistributing wealth. Just kidding. Fuck I'm you, like, you're poor. Mine under your streets for cobalt. I don't know. <laughs> I just took a shit in your house. Not in your bathroom, yeah. just somewhere in your house. Just somewhere. Because your house is basically a toilet to me. <laughs> yeah. Because you're poor. Oh, God. Oh. Anyway. Die before me because your life expectancy is lower because of your poverty. Peace. Oh, boy. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the scene. That's the All scene. over. And it's, it's, he looks, Dwayne Johnson at that point looks into a mirror and sees himself as a kid before, you know, and he hasn't changed. And it's that, oh, you know, getting bigger doesn't fix the problems. Yes. You know yeah. what does fix the problems? Fucking therapy, which Jason Bateman mocks. Right. And then the movie kind of mocks too. Yeah. Yeah. Which I did not love. Right. Because Kevin Hart and his wife, Danielle Nicolette, um, she wants to go see a therapist because she's she feels that he's not, like, enjoying his work and wants to kind of, you know, get you, – he, she wants him to be happier. And she wants to go see a couple's therapist and And, and also it. because he very specifically says that he's unhappy with his life, of which that, she is an integral part. Yes, yes. He literally says that. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, uh, yeah, thanks. And also, and, and like, she, and she does a really good thing here where she, like, she doesn't get all, like, oh, now I'm mad because you said I wasn't important. She gets, she gets, you know, proactive and is like, okay, I see that you're not happy and you're not happy with um, your life and your work. Let's talk about it. Let's find somebody to professionally talk about it with. But Kevin Hart's response to it is actually super problematic, especially since it's loaded as a joke. Because he essentially says black people don't do therapy. They go to yes. barbershops. Right. Which is where they do their talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I understand that I understand the joke because it, it is actually keyed into a reality. The problem is that it is it is a self-perpetuated system within like mental health care and black communities. It's it's that belief right. that like black people don't do therapy. And it's because I was just talking to a friend who is 
currently go- becoming licensed to be a-, a therapist through like a social work degree. And she just had an instructor who quite literally said, black people don't believe in therapy. They don't trust therapists and they don't like or do therapy. So expect to get constant resistance from clients who are black and don't expect to have a lot of black clients. Mm. Holy fucking shit. That's part of the fucking curriculum? Shit. Yeah. I mean, you can talk about mistrust of the system. That is fair. But to like generalize to that degree is, yeah. To generalize to that degree and to essentially preload in your students who are about to become therapists and part of the system that is at fault for this consciousness, to preload into their consciousness that that's the response that they're going to get from black clients. Oh, boyo. Yeah. That's rough. So it, it just, I know it's its kind of a throwaway joke, but it's its one of those throwaway jokes that it's like therapy, super important, especially for communities that are faced with such fucking shitty circumstances as communities of color and communities in like poverty sick circumstances need. Like it's mental health is so important and having a good mental yes. health care provider can really help things and shift things in a good way, especially if you're dealing with shit like, I don't know, bullying or life dissatisfaction yeah. or like anything, fucking anything. And to kind of jokingly throw that into nah we don't do therapy it's it's a funny thing about black people we don't believe in therapy right i've heard that from black people i've heard that from my family members right no yeah shit i mean and and he does agree to go um and then it becomes an extra special joke because dj ends up um pretending to be their therapist and uh, just because he wants to, get, I don't know, convince Kevin Hart to come play with him. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But and it's you know, so it's funny because he's he's making Kevin Hart pretend that you know Dwayne Johnson is his wife, and they do soul gazing, and it is it's funny moments, but it is sure. Again, you're kind of disrespecting therapy, which you actually could use and do need, and it's building on that joke, and I don't like it. I don't yeah. I don't know if you know this about me, fair listeners, but I have done a lot of therapy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Been in therapy for many years. Yeah. <laughs> it is It is useful. It is useful. And it's hard. And there are yeah. stigmas associated with it. And it's something that I'm pretty upfront about, but it's partially because I'm belligerent about it. Because I don't like dealing with the stigma <laughs> of it, and I don't think I should fucking have to. So no. <laughs> if I'm going to do therapy, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm fucking in therapy. I'm goddamn crazy. What? <laughs> what? Do you know what my right. personality disorder is? I can tell you. Want my DSM, bitch? <laughs> I got one. Right. And I, I think you also touched on a part where it's like, it's not all like lollipops and, and you know, candy. It's it's hard work going to a therapist and actually doing the work that needs to get done to make yourself healthier. And no, it's it's actively trying to work on shit that's hard and that needs that often gets worse before it gets better and it's it is a process and it is slow and it feels silly sometimes and so making it seem silly before you even get engaged with it especially making it like making it seem silly to communities where within and without the system believe that it's not for them no please stop that especially in a movie that deals with bullying trauma yeah exactly (laughs) yeah but don't worry, they don't actually need therapy. What they need is for Kevin Hart to have a near-death experience orchestrated oh, geez, by yeah. The Rock. Uh-huh. 
then leads him to understanding what he really wants out of his life. Yeah, they end up going through, you know, shenanigans, and The Rock is flying a two-person plane with Kevin Hart in it, and he pretends that the engine... Uh, he, he pretends that they're out of gas, and then he uh, intentionally nosedives the plane and asks Kevin Hart, you know, what his biggest regret is to convince him that he wants children, essentially, to get him to admit that he's regretful that he never had children. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Dwayne Johnson knew that was going to be the answer. I think he was quite literally just prompting him into what yes. is it you oh. wish you hadn't you, you yes. done before you, you die, which is going to Agreed. be imminent. And yes. it was, he wished he had impregnated his wife. I believe he screams, I wish I'd given you my seed. He does say that. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. That's good. Um, I suppose cheaper than therapy in some ways. Although that amount of physical stress can probably shave some months off of your life. I don't know how <laughs> yeah. much that's worth to you. Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's... It's, it's not, I know I'm, I'm like ragging on it, but like there's, there's good things in this movie and there's good funny moments in this movie. There's, there's the, the douchey guy from Veronica Mars, the white guy who always plays that douchey guy that you want to tase, Ryan Hansen. Yes. It's like yes. blonde and he gets tased twice. Mm-hmm. Satisfying. I wonder what it's like to be that guy, to like, people like, oh, we need a guy that we want people to tase or, or mace or just like kick in the nuts repeatedly. Who's that? Oh, Ryan Hansen. Oh, he's perfect. Yeah. Isn't his name in Veronica Mars actually just Dick? His name is Dick, isn't it? I do believe his name is just straight up yeah. Dick. Yeah. Which, which makes sense. He's just the worst. Indeed. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, then the bar scene. The first the first meeting between uh, Dwayne Johnson as a giant adult and Kevin Hart as a disillusioned older person. Right. As the unicorn t-shirt. That's great. Then there's, there's the big guys at the table that are rude to them. Mm-hmm. And this is where you get the, um, and, and they found a guy who was taller and bigger than Dwayne Johnson, which is impressive. Impressive. Endlessly yeah. impressive. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they, they, they make some homophobic comments about going and jerking each other off in, in the parking lot. And they're just dicks all around. And Dwayne Johnson's just, man, that's, that's a lot of homophobia. You should get that looked at by a professional. But you did bring an unlicensed firearm into a public place, endangering all these nice people. And I cannot, and good conscience walk away and jerk anyone off in the parking lot right now <laughs> yeah that was that was very good and then he proceeds to beat the crap out of them because he of can't stand he bullies megan he doesn't like bullies amber i wonder where that comes from yeah it's hard to say the, the movie makes it a mystery that we never find out <laughs> it's true oh and they also see that because of the bullying he's also never been naked in front of another person Right. Yeah, that was the last time he's ever been naked. Yep, in that or high school. Seen, seen naked, apparently. Yeah, he's been naked. But, and, he's, yep. and, and Kevin Hart, of course, asked the obvious question, like, how do you have sex with all these women who want to climb you like a beautiful brown Everest? To which he mm-hmm. responds, I keep it pitch black, just like Vin Diesel. Yes. <laughs> which, is, which is good. Very good. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Even going in to see Trevor when, when they're, they're, you know, heading into his office and... Kevin Hart's, you know, explaining we have to go see him. And Dwayne Johnson's like, oh, so he's um, still alive. He uh, wasn't ripped apart by dogs or died of something slowly. He's, he's still doing all... Oh, that's good. I'm that's glad good. about that. That's um, I didn't imagine all of these scenarios of things that could and hopefully did happen to him. So I'm glad mm-hmm. he's alive. That's nice. That's great. Mm-hmm. I do like also that with Kevin Hart's character... He, he has this nickname, The Golden Jet, which The Rock keeps 
using. He keeps calling him Jet or Golden Jet. He does not call him by his character's name. He calls him CJ sometimes, but yeah, it's, That's it's true. That's one true. or another nickname. Often Jet, often Golden Jet. And and you learn that uh, as a CIA agent, he has aliases other than Bob Stone. And one of them is, their last name is Golden. And the other's last name is Jet. He also has uh, Kevin Hart as his emergency contact and all of his CIA paperwork. It's fucking creepy. It is. <laughs> it's not not creepy. It's a dangerous level of obsession for somebody he has not spoken to since and was not actually friends with in high school. Mm-hmm. But that aside, you learn from Kevin Hart that his nickname actually came from an extremely embarrassing public moment in which he ran a race for track and was so excited that he peed his pants. Yes. And so everybody called him Golden Jet. And he just owned the name, made it mm-hmm. his. Like, that's nice. I liked that. That's a good That's a good healthy moment to talk about. It's like, yeah, public it humiliation is. doesn't have to be what ends you. Sometimes right. you can just own that shit and hope for the best. Often yeah. doesn't work if you happen to be fat or, I don't know, have lazy eyes or... Uh, <laughs> You know, are poor and can't wear the good clothes. It helps if you're athletically gifted and handsome. Um, sure. That but you know, still, hurt. still nice, nice, nice message. Yeah. Well, I like that Camille Nanjiani makes a brief appearance oh, in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's when, yeah, Camille Nanjiani works at the uh, the airport. Um, yeah. So Kevin Hart is distracting him while, while the ruck literally pulls a plane out of the out hangar. from the hangar. Yes, with yep. his just bare hands with just and a rope. <laughs> <laughs> that scene wasn't very funny for a lot of reasons. It was sort of a throwaway scene, mainly because, again, I don't find Kevin Hart's comedy that funny, but one I do find Kamel Nanjiani yeah. very funny. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, he his distraction method is to take a cooler he finds outside and tell Kamel's character that he's transporting a dick. Mm-hmm. And he needs to commandeer a plane so he can get there fast for a right. dick transplant. Yep. To which Camille Nanjiani's character says, I am literally made of questions. <laughs> <laughs> which is such a good line. It's a good line. It's a good yep. line. I, I Now, his brand of humor, I do enjoy. <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. It's hard to sum up the end of this movie because... A lot kind of happens all at once and over a fairly long period of time, and none yes. of it really feels like it means anything, and the action isn't that great. So it's it's just sort of, oh, okay, so the rock is looking for the black badger. Oh, they have the location of the sale of the whatever it is that the bad people are trying to sell. Oh, wait. Goober, yep. Oh, wait, the, but the rock is the black badger. Oh, wait, but... The Rock says he's not. He says the Black Badger killed his partner. But then the, the CIA lady, Amy Ryan, says, no, he killed his partner, and, and he is mm-hmm. actually the Black Badger. And so he Kevin Hart co- sort of betrays him because it's really hard to tell if he actually is evil or not because he's fucking crazy either way. He's just, yeah, he's... he's he, yeah. Just really congenially crazy. Like, he's mm-hmm. just... He's yeah. the friendliest crazy person you've ever met. Yeah. It's It's fantastic. Yeah. So he gets tortured by Amy Ryan when he's in CIA custody, but then they, he and Kevin Hart break out, and Kevin Hart is on his side again for some reason. And right. they they escape um, because they leave via um, the the door by the door grenades. Yeah, know. they just have grenades by the door at the they CIA just, black site. 
It's like candy when you leave a restaurant, like mints. Yeah, like mints. You know, just take take a couple just door grenades. Take a couple on door your way grenades. Out. It's all good. <laughs> and that then they me. they go to the drop where the black badger is going to be selling the MacGuffin to the terrorist. I assume. I don't know. And then he shows up and he says he is the Black Badger. And then, oh, wait, but the Rock's partner is also actually still alive. And the Rock's partner says that he's the Black Badger. And so you don't know who the Black Badger is. It could it could still be the Rock. Right. You don't know. And Kevin Hart doesn't know, which is why he shoots him in the ass when Mm -hmm. he and his supposedly dead partner are fighting on a bridge for some reason. Yeah, they, yeah. So his partner is played by Aaron Paul, who faked his own death. And yeah, they get to a point where they're fighting on a bridge. And Kevin Hart doesn't know who to trust. I do enjoy the death faking scene. You, you, You see three flashbacks of The Rock's partner's death. Yes. In the first one... The Rock, they're, they're, they're on a mission, and his partner's in the elevator, and The Rock's like, see you on the other side, man. And his partner says, see you on the other side. Man, I love that guy, as the doors close. <laughs> and then The Rock's like, oh, no, he's stuck in the elevator. And then a bomb explodes, and then blood all over the glass doors. Cool. Mm-hmm. Then you see another one, where Amy Ryan's saying, no, he's the Black Badger, and he killed his partner. And so instead of, instead of trying to get him out of the elevator, he does like an evil smile when the dude explodes. Right, so he's yeah he's blown up his own partner, and then we know we get to see the truth, Amber. The truth. And what's what's the truth, Megan? Well, um, <laughs> um, apparently Aaron Paul could not stand the Rock and just decided to fake his own death, mostly because he couldn't hear one more story about the Golden Jet. Um, it's true. <laughs> and so instead of saying "I love that guy" as the doors mm-hmm. close, it's. Yep. I can't stand that guy. And then as The Rock is trying to get him out of the elevator, <laughs> Aaron Paul's like, oh, the door won't open. What are you going to do? Bye. Yep. <laughs> and the bomb goes Ginger's off. Like, it, it seems like you're holding it closed. <laughs> yes, it seems like you're holding it closed. He's like, oh, don't know what to do. Dying now. Bye. <laughs> it was like the most half-assed fake to death ever. Yeah. Uh, and then, okay, okay, the very last scene of, yes. of all of the, the culmination of the action is delightful because, of course, Dwayne Johnson's character, lover of unicorns, lover of 16 Candles, loves that that end scene where the dude shows up for Molly Ringwald. He's always wanted to be Molly Ringwald. And you know what else he loves, Megan? What does else does he love, Amber? Swayze. He does. He does love Swayze. He does love Swayze. And he loves Roadhouse, Amber. Loves Roadhouse. What happens in Roadhouse, Amber? You know, I feel like I remember something about Roadhouse. Mm, is it something a particular about... way of death? You know, I feel like it is a particular version of man murder. Yeah. Swayze rips out a guy's throat, I do believe. I do believe he pulls out a trachea, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. That's what happens to Aaron Paul. Yes. And you see the trachea in the rock's hand, too. Oh, it's it's quite delightful. It's quite yeah. delightful. Uh, in, in front of Kevin Hart, he rips out Aaron Paul's trachea. And then Kevin Hart, who who is on the ground, the Dwayne Johnson goes to, like, pick him up off the ground. And Kevin Hart's like, ugh! And Dwayne Johnson's like, oh, man, sorry. That was a trachea. And he just kind of tosses because <laughs> he's still holding it. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, that was a trachea. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah. 
Um, but Amber, this is all, you know, all of that is all well and good, but they've finished this mission just in time for the reunion. Because really, this is a high school reunion movie at the end of the day. It's, you know, the least popular guy and the most popular guy coming to terms with the lives that they've built following this this explosive moment at the end of their high school careers. One, hitting their peak. The other, being traumatized. What does it all mean? It, Nothing. It, one of them's just going to no. like have a baby and the other one is like, oh, that's right. I'm an awesome CIA agent and everyone in the world wants to have sex with me. My life so is I'm actually gonna okay. Get, yeah, I'm going to get naked during the reunion mm, and just mm-hmm. dance naked. Yep. Oh, and he also <laughs> does manage to punch Trent. He's no longer lockjawed. Yes. In the, in the presence of Jason Bateman's character, punches him. Mm-hmm. So that's supposed to be satisfying. Oh, oh. Yes. And yes. Mm-hmm. Megan. Uh-huh. Kevin Hart's like, oh, man, what are you doing with all the women who are throwing themselves at you? And he's like, ah, you know, all of the sex gets old. What I really want, the next person, I want her to be beautiful on the inside and the outside. And so you're like, okay, okay. Who's this, who's this going to be? Right, and they've been talking about... Yucky Gucky, uh, his uh, his high school crush, DJ's high school crush, and essentially his female counterpart as least mm-hmm. popular human in the high school. You know, she right. had she had two two lame eyes, Megan. Mm-hmm. So obviously, ugh, ugh. Yeah, yep. And uh, th- this person is played by Melissa McCarthy, oh, and it's it's so good. You know, it's just he sees her and he's like. He's just stunned by how beautiful she is. And, like, he's so excited to see her. He's still naked at this point. But anyway, um, it's, I don't know. It's just so good that, like, it's Melissa McCarthy. And, like, they didn't, I don't know. Melissa McCarthy's gorgeous. But um, they didn't go for, like, a real thin, they didn't go the same way they went with a rock. Like, a bodybuilder Mm -hmm. or real thin or something like that. Yes. It wasn't Jessica Alba. It was Melissa McCarthy, who is gorgeous, but not like the stereotypical Hollywood gorgeous. Like it's, yeah. And that's, and that was good. He's like, oh man, you haven't changed. And I'm still in love with you. She's like, Mm -hmm. you've super changed. I remember you though. (laughs) I liked it. I liked what they did with it. I liked that they played with me. I like that. It's, it's, it's not just, you know, it wasn't the same, ooh, physical transformation thing. It, and I feel like that kind of did an okay job of suggesting that the physical transformation wasn't the most important thing. It was the fact that, like, the Rock's character found a space in which he could be himself and be successful. Right. <laughs> and yep. What he needed to let go of wasn't his appearance when he was a kid, but the baggage of what happened. Yes. Yep. I feel, I, I kinda, I feel like they, they did an okay job of that. They did. They I did. could be wrong. Come at me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Bad Movies Rock on Twitter and Bad Movies Rock Podcast at gmail.com. I'm yell not saying... Amber. Yeah, yell at Amber. I'm not saying I can handle it emotionally, but I'm saying do it anyway and we'll see where the cards fall. And I read them anyway, so there you go. <laughs> exactly. She can screen them for me. She won't, but she could. And I so could. our next episode could just be me sobbing. If that's what you're into, come at me. Yeah. Amber, then we get the best part of the movie. I mean, you mean after The Rock shows up wearing the exact outfit from the end of 16 Candles in, in order pretty. to 16 Candles Kevin Hart, who is now not only going to be a father, but has also joined the CIA because as it turns out, he was disappointed with all of his life. Yep. Yeah, after that. 
So you're talking about the bloops. The bloops. Amber, we get some bloops. Oh, Megan. You and your bloops. <laughs> I mean, it's typical bloop stuff, Amber. It's, it's the outtakes. It's Kevin Hart and The Rock slapping each other and not being able to get through it with a straight face. Dude, I don't know how you could. It is hard enough to just stare into someone else's eyes from a few inches away and not laugh. But then to have to do that while simultaneously slapping the other person, I don't know how they were able to film that. I don't know how many takes that took, but it must have been a lot. It must have been a lot. And then there's one just at the party where Melissa McCarthy, it's just like, <laughs> we get the um, the the, the pe- pe- peck pop, is that Pop your, you got to pop your pecs, Amber, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. in um, Journey 2. And uh, she kind of reaches out to touch his chest and he does a peck pop. And it's just her, it's like, ooh. And then she does it two at one at a time. And uh, I don't know. It's just charming. I liked it. It made me happy. I watched it twice. Mm-hmm. You know, putting bloops at the end of a movie for Megan is sort of like giving her a shot of MDMA at the end of a movie. Yes. It's just, she doesn't really remember what happened before then. She just is is left with the warm, happy feeling of, oh, of bloops. bloops. Yes. Oh, this actors, is... actors mean silly and having fun. That's all I really want from a movie. Oh, I love mm-hmm. this movie. This was the best movie ever. That is absolutely how it works in my brain, Amber. Hundo P. It's cheating. Yeah, it's cheating not my fault though i like bloops too yeah yeah so amber um i would rate this movie on the rock scale regrettable outstanding craze balls or k i would put it between craze balls and k there's some definitely fun craze balls moments but it doesn't hold like the action scenes certainly aren't in that category um there's some silly funness but yeah it's it's in that lower craze ballsness i see so you go first now well you get mad at me when i make you go first (laughs) so i um am trying something new i know i do (laughs) i made the situation and i want to complain about it Uh uh-huh because i'm a monster (laughs) agreed craze balls k k craze balls yeah solid comedic moments here and there Action wasn't that great. Plot was meh. Yeah. But the plot details, like the, the notes that they hit that I feel like they hit well or did in a way that I'm not used to seeing. Um, yeah. I'm for yeah. it. I'm for it, Megan. Yep. Absolutely. And obviously watching The Rock be a giant, adorable nerd is delightful. Yes, it is. He loves his corns, Amber. Loves corns. What was it he said about them? Ah, yeah. He said that they are the most lethal animal on the planet. Yes. Um, which which bears true, Amber, for um we, we played a D and D game where um you and I are uh DMing and we we found some really terrible, scary, deadly unicorns. You you know what bears true means, right? Like you Huh? So you know that there are no unicorns, um, and therefore they cannot be the most lethal animal on the planet. And that kind of giving evidence by saying that a D campaign which is by definition a role-playing fantasy game doesn't really doesn't bear bear true for the whole but amber they exist and are lethal did you see that character sheet they get they get like three attacks and i think they can like self-heal and they can actually like 
they can like transport themselves. We didn't even get into it with our players because they got out of there pretty quick. But again, oh like boy. Ca- character sheets doesn't really. That's do you see that picture real. of like the zombie unicorn? Yeah, it was. I remember you found a picture of zombie unicorns. I loved it. It was so really much. gross. Yeah. So um, yeah, so I would say very close to deadliest. Yeah. Just gonna just gonna swan on past that. Why? Um. Cool. 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 So, uh, Megan. Yes. Do you have an happy story? I do. Um. So, um, at some point I was down in New York and um. Dan was talking about um, reading minds and how you can't actually read somebody's mind. But, you know, you can think about, you know, what someone wants and you can try to predict what they want and um, do nice things for them. If you think about like, if you think about the other person and (laughs) and Abby said she wanted to try it and she (laughs) Dan was making tea for me and for him. And so Abby wanted to try um, having Dan read her mind. And so she looked intently, like just intently at the tea, at my tea, and then looked at me and like did these like head, head naughty motions at me. And um, she said, can you read my mind? And um, it was because she wanted him to give me tea. And it was just like, my brother talks about the 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 CPT, the cutest possible thing, um, and like it was just a, it just was really sweet. That cutest her her version thing. of having her mind read was wanting him to give you tea, mm-hmm. yep. and that mind reading to her is basically charades. Basically charades, yes, exactly. Interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. Dan is also wrong. You can actually read people's minds. And oh, also he's wrong boy. that the point of it is to do nice things for them. That's <laughs> what? Well, that's <laughs> what he's telling a three-year-old. What Amber? the shit? That's <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> do nice. Mm-hmm. You read people's minds so that you can do nice things for yourself. Oh, boy. Okay. I feel like this has gone places. Information is power, Megan. Okay. Well, he'll get to that lesson that when she turns four. She can learn about that. That's fair. You got to save those. First, lessons. she has to learn. She has to learn to read people, Amber. Then she can use it to turn it for herself. And then beca- she becomes a Russian sleeper agent. Yeah, no, I know. And then she becomes a rogue agent. The, exactly the right, cutest Amber. sleeper agent ever. No one mm-hmm. suspects the four-year-olds. <laughs> they don't. Amber, do you have a recommendation? I recommend that you watch Staged. Oh, man. You specifically, Megan. I recommend that you specifically yes. watch Staged. Perfect. Megan, do you have anything to say to me? Amber, I do. <laughs> I have something to say to you. It's a Amber got a ride. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you set me up. I feel set up. I don't know how you could feel that way when that's clearly what happened. Yeah, that is 100% uh-huh. what I just did. Yes. Um, yeah, so I'm not done with it yet. I'm actually almost done with it. Um, it's, I think, six episodes. Um, and they're half an hour. They're short. Um, so it's uh, David Tennant and Michael Sheen. And, um, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's it's Zoom calls in a story form. Basically, yes. It's It's yeah. what happens when actors realize that they're bored and there's nothing to really do. Until they realize they could do one thing. 
And that is use Zoom to film themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and if you wanted more from like Bad Omens, if you wanted more David Tennant and Michael Sheen, and of course you did because that was the best part of that show. That's what this is. This is like almost pure that, which is fantastic. Essentially, when I, I stumbled across this, I realized that this was a show made specifically for Megan. It mm-hmm. was essentially David Tennant and Michael Sheen playing fictionalized versions of themselves. Like just after the pandemic has shut things down, they were supposed to be in a play and the director convinces the two actors to keep rehearsing it via Zoom. And, uh, you know, doesn't really work out super well, but you do get to watch the two of them slowly go a little bit crazy. And and you meet their wives. I believe they're actual wives. Yes, those are their actual wives. Yep, yep. Um, and there's a couple guest guest stars in the Zoom mm-hmm. calls. It's, it is... Like it's both super lazy and super adorable because yep. obviously like it's it's fine. It's six episodes of just kind of two actors pretending to be silly versions of themselves during the pandemic. Yeah. Why wouldn't you watch that? <laughs> I, I mean, mean it's, it's, it's not the much kind of, of an thing, investment. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that would have been like webisodes back in the day. Yes, agreed. Um, but now it's a Hulu show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just sure. cute. It's adorable. Again, if if you if you if you find yourself aligning with Megan in the things she says, does, and likes, you will like this a lot. You will. Yes. And I, I brought it up as my recommendation specifically so I could hear Megan tell me that I, I did it right. Cool. And also, I didn't have to make an actual recommendation. I could just have Megan explain the recommendation that I made specifically to her. Yeah. Excellent. Yay, laziness. <laughs> Well, uh, good stuff. I got it right. Yeah. We watched a movie, yep. Abby's story. Good. Done. Done, done, done. Perfect. Done. Megan. All right. It's been a pleasure. Uh, Yay. Yes, it has. And I will end like I always end by saying, Amber, rock the vote. I know I said it before, but we're running out of time, folks. Go do it. If you're in early, early voting state, go do it. If you're not, go do it on whatever day from today it is for you <laughs> i can't do i can't think about when this comes out and when it's it's getting close go vote people and she means when she says running out of time she's not really talking about running out of time to vote i mean that's also happening but yeah. we are all really running out of time as as a species as a people yeah. Um, it's not really metaphorical. Not so much, so much metaphorical, and not not contained to just going out and voting. So, food for thought. Yeah. Let's go play some video games. Okay, perfect. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. Bye, mm-hmm. Megan. Bye, Amber. 